Hello and welcome to the Irish Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Halton. I'm an entrepreneur, investor, and financial independence enthusiast, sharing my financial freedom journey. Stay tuned and welcome aboard. Thank you all for your feedback from the last episode in relation to Sinead's journey and what she's looking to do. I'm glad to hear you guys are enjoying the format. And just as a reminder that this year I am answering your questions. So if you do have a question or some help in relation to your own financial independence journey, then reach out to me. Drop me a line at michael at firepodcast.ie. Just another reminder too, if you want to keep in touch with what's going on with my own financial independence journey, then go and visit firepodcast.ie, click on the members link and subscribe to the newsletter. I will give a dedicated episode at some point in the future to give you guys a full update. But for now, I have got so many questions in the inbox that I'm going to continue to answer them as quickly as I can. So today's episode is actually a combination of two emails, one from a gentleman called Luke and the other from Brian. And it's a question that I get a lot in relation to listeners reaching out and just wanting to pick my brain into what they think that they should be investing in. And typically it all comes back to our good old deemed disposal and the ETFs. Once an investor realizes that, hey, at 41% tax and having to pay this deemed disposal tax every eight years, that maybe there's some other things that they should be investing in, or maybe just structuring their investments in a different way. And that's typically where an email is sent to me just giving my opinion. And as I had to say in the last episode, I am not a financial advisor. So this is simply my opinion. And I guess I'm leveraging on some of the stuff that I do myself when I answer these questions. So the first question was from Luke, and he said, I've been following your monthly portfolio updates for some time. Recently, I have noticed a percentage of your peer-to-peer lending allocation is decreasing month on month. Have you lost faith in the peer-to-peer lending return, or are you simply more invested in other assets? I would love to know your thoughts on the peer-to-peer market in 2021, and whether it is still a viable investment option with all that's going on in the world right now. So yeah, fair play, Luke, for noticing that. And guys, if you have been listening to the podcast for a while, you will know that back when I started the podcast in 2019, I was heavily invested in peer-to-peer lending. And I liked it for two core reasons. One, it was relatively tax efficient. In Ireland, it's taxed under your own personal tax rate. And because I had a company, I could invest in peer-to-peer lending through that. And I was under the surplus charge that they had. So I was only paying tax at like 25%. So from that point of view, it was fairly good. And secondly, it was producing monthly cash flow, which after reading Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I realized was probably a better way at the time, at least than investing in assets that had to be sold to get some money out of them. So at the time, that was where my mindset was at. I can safely say that that mindset has now changed completely because I now buy into the 4% safe withdrawal rate or you know, 3.5, 4% safe withdrawal rate. And I know that it doesn't really matter how the portfolio increases in value. I'm going to be looking to sell 4% a year. And whether that's income from rental property or having to sell the shares, it doesn't really matter. 
right? And so when I produce my monthly reports for my portfolio updates, you'll see that any increases in the portfolio, it's a mixture of income from say rental property and from capital gains through index funds. It doesn't matter. It really is irrelevant. And that's how I kind of see it. So once I got off that kind of cash flow bandwagon, then it made some sense to move away from it. However, the big change was really the incident with Grouper last year where I lost around 6,000 euros and I really had faith in their platform that they were one of the legitimate peer-to-peer marketplaces. And you know, between them and Mintos was where I had the majority of my peer-to-peer lending investments. And yeah, I generally felt like they were good. I talked to them a few times on the phone and they were highly recommended from others in the industry. So yeah, it was a bit of a blow. And once I realized that Grouper was no longer a safe bet, I realized that I'm not really the person to work these things out. And I kind of reflected on that and realized that any unregulated investment is going to carry a certain amount of risk. Now, every investment obviously does carry a certain amount of risk. But when you weigh up the pros and cons of peer-to-peer lending, you can see that there are so many things that can go wrong. And for me, that was the kind of the thing that kind of went, right, maybe I shouldn't be in here. And with property, you know, you can take insurance out against it. So if your property burns down, you could be covered by the insurance. With the share market, ETFs, low-cost index funds, they're typically regulated by a central bank and there's some sort of insurance in place. So yes, you can lose half your money with your portfolio through ETFs when the market tanks, but you don't have to sell. You can just be patient and wait until that recovers, which it did in 2008, which it did last year with the coronavirus pandemic, and which it likely will again with whatever future event occurs when half of the value of the share market is lost in a quick space of time. And it will happen again. We know that that will happen again because we've had that history. And speaking of history, that's probably the third and final reason for why I've been reducing the portfolio in peer-to-peer lending. It's I asked myself the question, will this site still be around in 30 years time? If we go back 30 years, we're looking at the year 1990, before the internet was even readily available. Yet we're putting our money into something that we need to be there in at least 30 years time. In my case, I would like to think that I have around another 60 years to live. So I need something to be there in 60 years time to know that I'm going to be okay when I'm 96 years of age. So in this case, it's about asking that question. Now, some websites, the likes of say Mintos, which has done really well for itself and has established itself well in the peer-to-peer lending industry, is all well and good, and they are actively pushing for regulation, which we know is a good thing. However, we then ask ourselves the question, what about the lenders? Mintos is only a marketplace. Are the lenders still going to be there in 30 years' time? Hmm. It's hard to say. So I've spent a bit of time on this question. I do get it a lot, and it's one of these things where when you have a podcast or a blog, and particularly in my case because I have actually ranked the episodes from number 1 to number 69 in this case, that I can't just go and delete and change something. And I don't want to. I said from day one that this was about my journey and that journey is going to be littered with mistakes. And so, yeah, if you do go back to some of the earlier episodes, I talk quite fondly of peer-to-peer lending. Whereas now I'm far more experienced as an investor and I kind of look at things a little bit more deeply now. I don't just go and throw the money into it like I used to. I'm also far more careful about how I diversify my portfolio. And I guess that's only a natural thing as the portfolio starts to get bigger over time that I do start to be more careful about what I'm actually throwing the money into. So I'm certainly not against peer-to-peer lending as a whole. 
I just think we need to be managing and diversifying that risk. And we need to be looking at the upsides versus the downsides. And yeah, a 12% return is probably not worth the risk. And for some of the other platforms that I've invested in, that's been obviously even worse. So I got caught up in Investio. Uh, Crowdestor I'm very concerned about as well. I recently pulled out of there and I would recommend anybody in there do the same. Um, So there's just a few of the smaller ones I would definitely be careful of. Uh, Anything offering more than 15%, in this current market, we've got to be asking ourselves, how is it actually possible? And are what they're promising that they're going to be doing with the money does that make sense as a business plan? So there's all sorts of things there. There's just so many downsides with peer-to-peer that I'm just not convinced that it's a good uh, investment. However, I'm not against having a small portion in there to have that little bit of FOMO effect if you want to. The same reason that I'm in cryptocurrency. With cryptocurrency, I kind of I mentioned on the last episode, I have 1% of my portfolio in there. I wouldn't even recommend going higher than that if you really want to, fine, but just be very, very careful. If you lose 1% of your portfolio tomorrow, you will be fine. You will not be grumpy. If you lose 10, 20% of your portfolio tomorrow, you will be very, very upset. So we just need to keep that in mind. And that's how we diversify. So in the case of peer-to-peer, I would be diversifying within loan loan originators, within platforms where needed, ideally sticking to the main ones, Mintos, Linked Finance, Flender, Property Bridges. I probably wouldn't go outside those four. In my own opinion, Again, I'm only currently invested in Mintos and I'm kind of trapped in some of those loans. So that's why I'm actually still in there. I'd be happy to see that go down to zero and then maybe would review from there. Let's jump over to Brian. So Brian says that he works as a digital marketing consultant and is currently a sole trader. And he's been buying stocks in Digero and mainly ETFs and some individual stocks as well. And he obviously heard the episode with the Irish Savers Action Group and he found out about deemed disposal tax. So he's starting to doubt himself if buying ETFs are a good investment. And he's noticed that I've said a couple of times that the tax system in Ireland makes crypto seem like a better investment than holding low cost index funds via ETFs. And he's curious as to why that is. So yeah, let's give this one a crack. So there's a couple of things from the email that immediately I noticed. And so let's run through these. So the first thing is that Brian mentioned that he wants to save for his kid's college at the moment. And his kids are around 10 years away from going to college. And he's trying to work out a good way to save for them. So we don't have any specific kids saving plans in Ireland, or at least there's no tax efficient ways to invest for your children. Like so many things in Ireland, we just don't have these sort of things set up yet. We may one day but we don't for now. However, we do have some other great things, obviously income-free children's allowance. And many people have observed that if you simply invest your children's allowance, that uh, you will basically have your college fund more than paid for by the time your kids go to college. So it's obviously something to keep in mind. So for me, given that we have a 10-year timescale, I would recommend that Brian start cost averaging in on ETS for that. Right, so the deemed disposal in this case doesn't really matter. We know that this is a 10-year investment. We'd probably want to say, look, let's invest for eight years and just sell the shares after the eight years, maybe just before the deemed disposal, and then give yourself two years knowing that the money is there, right? Or maybe start scaling out of the market at that point. So you sell some of those shares and you turn that back to cash. All right, the big risk there is that we get to year eight 
the share market's up, we hold, we hold, we hold, get to year nine, the share market starts dropping, get to year 10, the share market's lost half its value. Suddenly you haven't taken advantage of the 10 years worth of growth in that time. So it's a little bit of a risky strategy, but I think cost averaging in to the ETFs, holding them for eight years, try to buy an ETF that is accumulating. So you've got accumulating versus distributing, accumulating the dividends are reinvested automatically into the fund, distributing the ETFs are paid out. So we need to stick with the distributing ones if you're doing it outside of a pension, which is really, really important to note. Speaking of pensions, Brian then mentioned that he is currently a sole trader. It sounds like he's doing quite well for himself as a digital marketing consultant. So there is a limit. There is a specific number that you need to hit where you need to move from a sole trader to a company. Now, keep in mind, Brian, that you are a consultant, so you will fall under a professional services company, which means you won't get the 12.5% tax. You'll unfortunately get a surcharge on top of that, which I get myself as a web developer to bring the tax rate up to around 19.5%, but I'm about to tell you why that will not matter. Assuming that your income from your venture, whatever it is, is making more than 50,000 euros per year, in my opinion, it makes sense to set up a corporation. So I think that that should be your magic number. The reason I picked that number, assuming you're married, once you hit 44,000 euros, then anything after that's gonna be taxed at 50%. However, when you have a corporation, a company, your tax bill is gonna go up significantly. It will most likely double from when you're a sole trader. There is a heap of additional costs. Compliance is a lot more stricter, but also you need to start paying yourself pay slips. And yeah, shockingly enough, there is a cost to do that these days, which is fairly annoying. You can do it yourself, but they're relatively complicated and it's probably something better to do through the accountant. If you are earning significantly more than 50,000 euros per year, say 100,000 euros per year, then having a corporation is a vital step to do in Ireland for your financial independence plan because it will allow you to get a director's pension, which is what I have. It is the biggest way to fast track your financial independence journey. I mentioned a few episodes back, one that I recorded late last year, that my net tax rate is around 9%, right, which is significantly lower than the average tax rate in Ireland. And it's because of that director's pension which allows me, believe it or not, to put up to 70,000 euros per year tax-free into that pension. And the reason for that is, is because when you set up the pension, you allocate your retirement age. And in my case, I wanted to retire as soon as possible. So my retirement age has been reduced down to 60. And the revenue then allow you to make extra contributions because they know you're trying to catch up to retire sooner. Now, at the moment, I could take that pension from age 50, my gut feeling is, is that will more likely be age 55 by the time I actually get there because there is a review at the moment and it's likely within the next few years we will see that increase to 55, which is fine. We know the rules, we stick to it, but either way, it's still the most tax efficient way to invest. So for me, Brian, assuming that you're earning a significant income there, enough to justify setting up a director's pension, then I would be looking to set up a corporation start invoicing your clients through that, and then basically distribute that income in one of two ways. Firstly, through a payslip for your own wages and the rest of it into the pension. Effectively, you're gonna keep that company at break even. So there's never gonna be a tax liability for you within that company because the money's either gonna be distributed to yourself as wages 
or through to the pension. And it's as simple as that, right? Whatever the corporate tax rate is, it actually doesn't matter. We're never going to be paying corporate tax because it's going to be distributed out of that company each year. The last question from Brian, and I better cover it before I wrap up this episode, is he asked, why is crypto a better investment in Ireland than ETFs? And yeah, I'm not here to say if it's a better investment or not. However, it is certainly from a revenue point of view, we are incentivized to buy Bitcoin. So for me, taxes are all about incentives, which is why I'm one of these people that does not object to the carbon tax going up, because I think anything that pushes us to be more environmentally aware is a good thing. I get annoyed at high income taxes because I think anything that makes us want to work less is a bad thing. So it's one of these situations in this case where if you're going to tax Bitcoin at 33% and give yourself a tax-free allowance of 1,270 euros per year versus ETFs, which you're going to tax at 41% and allow you no option to offset losses against gains, whereas with capital gains in Bitcoin, you can offset your losses against your gains. It makes complete sense as an investor from an incentive point of view to invest in Bitcoin, which we don't want to be encouraging people to do if we're the revenue department. So for me, this is just one where they've got it horribly, horribly wrong. In fact, if you hold a small amount of Bitcoin, let's say 10,000 euros worth, and Bitcoin makes 12% that year, it makes sense for you to sell your Bitcoin for one day, buy it back again the next day later, give yourself a tax liability, file the taxes making a 1,200 euro gain, and you will pay no tax on it. That will simply then roll forward to the next year where you'll get to use your capital gains allowance again. And it's these sort of things, these sort of things that really, really do annoy me. Now, we do have one gentleman called Ben, who is part of the Limerick FI meetup group, who's currently using spread betting as a way to avoid the 41% deemed disposal tax. It's not something I'm recommending at all, but it just shows some of the ways that investors in Ireland are actually getting around that. And with spread betting, there is no tax liability. So he's effectively doing it with no need to worry about that deemed disposal. But again, it's all about these incentives. Why would somebody in the revenue department want to encourage somebody to have to go to a gambling website to buy index funds? It just blows my mind. As always, guys, any feedback on this episode, reach out to me at michael@firepodcast.ie. Otherwise, I look forward to catching you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you're a big fan of the show, why not become an Irish Fire Podcast member for free? Members receive access to inside information that isn't shared on the podcast, as well as regular updates such as a monthly newsletter. To become a member, visit www.firepodcast.ie.